0: You're listening to the Bad Reputation Podcast, hosted by Todd Collins and sponsored by Anchor FM. If you haven't listened before, we've got two words for you, listen up. From digital marketing tips, entrepreneurial stories, and more, you will get the most up-to-date info brought right to your ear. Follow Todd on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, and more at ToddCollinsOfficial. Listen everywhere podcasts are available, like Spotify, Apple, Roku, and more. Are you guys ready? Now your host of Bad Reputation, Todd Collins. Guys, welcome back. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the last episode with Sally Slices. The guy had over two and a half million. He's teetering over 300 to 400,000 on TikTok currently right now. Um, it's still quite amazing. If you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to that episode. It just shows the importance of what I've been banging into your heads about downloading TikTok and investing time there. It literally will pay your bills. And in fact, it'll actually pay you to post there now. But I have one of the most successful real estate agents. I, From what I've been told in the country, I know for a fact in the state, um, Samina Chaudhry. Thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
0: Every woman that I've ever had on this show has knocked it out of the park. Um, I'm not really sure why I still even have guys on the show anymore. I I don't know why, but it just seems to me that women, they just do things better. Um, And I'm seeing that in the real estate industry as well. I'm also seeing it in my own business. Um, You know, everyone knows that Nikki's the CEO of our agency and, her running the show uh, is, just, is just amazing. You know, if, if I was CEO, I don't think we would be as successful as we are. But I'm very, very impressed. Uh, after I did my research on you and went really deep, I'm very impressed about how you've grown your business. And I think there's a lot of listeners, especially from the real estate side, and we have a lot of real estate listeners that probably have come to you before and said, hey, can I grab a coffee with you? Hey, can I get 30 minutes with you? Hey, can I get, you know, an hour with you? And I know that happens to me too. And it becomes very difficult with, with, you know, people that I would say like you and I that are consistently moving nonstop. And it's very difficult for us to give you that 30 minutes or 45 minutes. So thank you for giving me that one and let's make the best of it. So a lot of your followers can get um, a lot of the answers that they've probably been begging you for, and you just haven't been able to get back to them. About it. So let's start with, you know, you, you, how, how did you, let's start in the early days of your life. Let's start there. So we'll, we'll fast forward just a little bit. Let's get into like middle school, high school kind of was the interest level of real estate always there or was it something else?
1: Um, my major in college was interior design. Okay. So I have a degree in interior design uh, from Maryland Institute. Uh, College of Art so not too far just right here yeah and um, I always liked like interior spaces and for me as a real estate agent show me a great house I get ideas what today's trends are show me a unfinished basement or a house that needs a lot of work that's like giving an artist a blank canvas like here draw you know yeah so yeah uh, that's what takes um, my expertise to the next level for my clients that I started, I start painting pictures for them. You could do this, you could do that. That's what I input from my background into my work on a daily basis.
0: So you're, you're in college um, and you know your passion obviously was art. Um, you know, much like myself, you know, it's, and two out of the four of my children are, they, they love art, as you can see back here, they love painting, they love drawing. It was the same thing for me. Mm -hmm. How does that, how does that start or begin the movement towards real estate? Like I said, I'm sure you got asked, right? Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And you're young. And you know, like when you were just in college or coming out of college, you were like, well, now what the hell do I do with this degree? You know, because I know a lot of people that have an have a interior design degree and they, or they're thinking about it and they think that it's one thing and it's yeah. not. You're almost like an engineer in the reality of things because of, of the mathematical skills that you guys have to have. So right. how does that, how do you start? What's the, begin, the beginning of, you know, you going there? Was it a real estate agent that reached out to you and said, we need help or what was it?
1: So basically uh, I was doing uh, freelance interior design for a few clients, you know, from home at that time. I'm I'm a housewife, I'm a mom, my kids were really young, I was at home. And when my kids started going to school, I had more free time in my hand. So that's when um, my husband and I figured, okay, let's uh, talk about um, like, you know, buying some investment properties and maybe looking into it. So that got me started. And then I thought, okay, Uh, why not even get a real estate license and, you know, do my own research and try to figure out what is the best way to get into investments. And that got me started. And the more I started doing it, and the more appreciation I got from the expert advices I was giving and starting to sell more and more houses, it's just, you know, this is a business where um, there's no ceiling, you know, uh you can just the harder you work you can just keep on going and the sky is the limit how how much can you push yourself yep. and that's basically you know this is my 19th year and that's what i've been doing for the last 19 years that you know keep pushing myself to see where i can go how much i can push myself to the next level to the next level to the next level it's just keep going
0: we well, you're you're i think you're 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 starting to kind of get to the ceiling here. I feel like with a lot of your success, or at least you're going to start breaking some glass and making a new ceiling. But I want to go back for a second and talk about the, the investment properties because, and, and I'm going to go a little bit further back because I'd really like, because you've done this for 19 years, I really want to talk about 2008. I, I was, I, was uh, I want to say my early thirties-ish, right? Yeah. late twenties, early thirties back then. And that was the first like massive, like, holy crap moment. Uh, And so I definitely want to talk about that, but I want to talk about the investment side of things. So you and your husband are like, Hey, look, you know what? I think it's a good idea that we diversify. You know, one of the first rules about building wealth, especially in this country is get real estate, like own real estate, own pieces of property, hold on to them. You know what I mean? Or, or rent them out or whatever it is. Sit on the property. When you're ready for your exit strategy, sell the property for a profit, right? I mean, that's the goal here. And it's one of the only pieces of equity that you can hold uh, in the world that typically will eventually, no matter what, turn you a profit, right? Like we know that stocks and everything else can be very risky, cryptocurrency now and all that stuff. But it seems to me that land and buying properties always seems to turn a profit no matter when you decide to exit eventually, especially in a market like this. So let's talk about that because you guys originally got in, what was the first investment property that you bought? And obviously I know that you were like, well, screw this. We don't need to pay our commission to a real estate agent. We can just do this ourselves, right? And and continue to purchase. But what was the first investment property that you bought?
1: Uh, Actually it was, It, it was a condo okay. uh, and um, at that time, you know, we got it for like 140 was the price. And today I, I still have it, I get rent from it. And my rent actually ended up paying the whole mortgage for it, I'm, I'm paid off on it. And um, basically, you know, I still get rent and I could sell it for double the price today.
0: Especially in this market. Yeah. Notice we're in 2021 uh, and the market on houses is astonishing right now. Uh, So if you're thinking of buying, good time. If you're thinking of selling, great time. Um, So you held onto the property, you paid the property off. Mm -hmm. So guarantee, no matter what, whenever you wanna get out of it, although now would be a good time, Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) because you're going to sell it for a hell of a lot more than you might sell it for, you know, 10 years from now, but you don't know, right? Yeah, Uh,
1: but at the same time, the price at which I bought it, it will never go down to that price. No,
0: no, absolutely not. Um, And again, you know, that's why I think it's important, especially from, from a standpoint of people that have built wealth, like you, using real estate, I think it's important that that message get out there um, not only to real estate agents, but 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 I believe to to younger children, you know, and kids that are that are interested in investments and things of that nature. You, you guys have got to start paying attention to real estate and not get so swept up into cryptocurrency and, and everything else. I know it's exciting. Trust me, I have cryptocurrency myself, but real estate is 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 about as safe as you can get from a guarantee when you when you decide to exit or retire, whatever it is, you're going to have some money in the bank and you're going to be good to go. So just, just keep that in the back of your mind. So is that the only investment property you have enough to get too personal, but, or do you now have multiple investment
1: properties? Multiple, like over 15. Over 50? 15, one five. That's still a lot.
0: (laughs) Quick question. Uh, How do you manage 15 properties?
1: I have a partner. Okay.
0: Um, uh, Not your husband anymore. You fired your husband. <laughs> uh,
1: it, my partner is, um, so basically my partner is an architect who is also a builder. Okay. So, um, his expertise is he brings in the team to yep. do all the work to fix it up and make it rentable and, you know, uh, collecting rent. That's his thing. And when we find the property, I go through the, comparables just to make sure that we're buying it at a good price. And if we were to fix it up, what would that price be? I researched those prices just to make sure that we're good and we move forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, so having someone who is a contractor or, or, or is really the best real estate partner you can ask for when it comes to it, I would say from an investment standpoint, that's the best type of partner that you could have. Right. And at that point, he manages the properties or you manage the properties. He does. He does. Wow. So you're the, you're the money behind it. Yeah. Amazing. That is. And that's the exact track that you, you want to stay on when you're talking about investing in real estate, you don't want to have to do the work. And in reality, that's when you're running a business, you don't want to have to do the work. You want to hire people that are good at what you're not good at. And then you pay them a portion of the profit And that's how you create a good business. So you're an interior designer who takes a couple of jobs as an interior designer. You you decide, I'm getting into real estate. You buy some investment properties. You're now a real estate agent. You now own 15 properties that basically are just sitting back, just cash flowing you. So when and if you ever retire, which most people nowadays don't even retire. I mean, there's really no point in my opinion you're just going to be sitting on mass equity and you've built out what I call legacy wealth for your, the generations of family that will be coming behind you when, you know, unfortunately myself and you were long gone. Um, Why do you think just as a mentality standpoint, why do you think most families only have like a person like you, right? There's usually only one like you, that comes along every so often, that builds this legacy wealth for their family, and then you don't see it again for quite a long time. Why do you think that is? Do you think that has to do with your where you were, you, way you were raised? Because I know it does for me.
1: Um, partly, yes. Okay. Uh, my father is a self-made millionaire, and we we are five siblings. All his five kids we decided that we wanted to make it on our own and not. And if we plan to give something, it would just be a bonus. And till today, we have not asked him for anything, except for the fact that he's paid our uh, student loan, which is huge in the US right now. Absolutely. And uh, we are grateful for that. That is the biggest gift I think I got, that I don't have a student loan. Yep. And I got a degree, which is free and clear. <laughs> And I wanted to prove to my father that this is what I'm doing with my degree. That's number one. Number two, if you ever, um, you know, I have a coach, his name is Brian Buffini. He was one of the first coaches. And, you know, every time I went to his seminars, the first question he would always ask in in the crowd was, who here uh, is a first generation immigrant? Mm -hmm. Because he himself is, okay? Yeah. And he, he, he got $100 in his pocket um, when he was in 1990. And he became one of the top real estate agents in the country. Not only that, he sits in the board for NAR right now.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, and he's making millions, you know? And he, every time he asks this question, I'm one of the person to raise my hand. That, yes, I'm one of that. And, you know, he says that the dream that you came into this country with your kids won't have this dream, unfortunately. And because they don't dream like that, they don't achieve in that level also. So because of that, he wrote a book, it's called The Emigrant Edge, okay? And that talks about five rules that you could teach today's kids. It's The Emigrant Edge by Brian Buffini. It's one of the New York bestsellers. And it talks about five rules that you could teach your children just so that they can achieve like we did, as first generation immigrants. So,
0: and and I think that's extremely valuable and important. What about the real estate agents, or what what about the real estate agents that aren't immigrants? They come from and and in my my situation, you know, I'd have to go back and look. I, and I know that the history of my family, we've we've gone back and we've done some documentation. Or right? I know it's it's got it came over here part of it part of them were from sicily the other part was from ireland my question would be and and i'm seeing it more now would be you know obviously the the parental side of what you pass down to your children is extremely important when when my dad you know when i was growing up he made me go outside and stack wood Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and without gloves Mm -hmm. to appreciate gloves the warmth And that he was supplying me, right? That I wasn't supplying to myself, but he was trying to make a point. And his point was, is that you have to work very, very hard to get things to make life a little bit easier for you. And I think that's just a a rule. And uh, it's it's a lesson that, you know, every parent should try to teach their children. Unfortunately, that's not happening as much as it should nowadays. And I feel like, you know, someone like your father, who probably... You know, and, and like most dads out there, especially with their daughters, he's, I'm sure he came to you and was like, do you need anything? Yeah. Is there anything I can do? For
1: all me? the time.
0: Right? 100%. Of course he does. And and you're and you're like, nope, gonna do it on my own. Number yeah. one, he probably respects the hell out of you. hundred uh, yeah. percent, right? And I know all of you are probably like, yeah, I mean, he's gonna leave everything to you guys and make sure that you guys are taken care of and create, and create that wealth, that continued wealth, which is awesome. But I love that you guys have done it yourselves. I think that's so important because if it, if you did it with his help, it would, it, it ends up scarring you in the future from the opinion of others. They will say, she didn't do it on her own. She's got a millionaire dad. It happens to everybody with their parents that have money. So do you, do you get concerned about that?
1: I mean, no, because you know, we are so goal oriented and focused on what we want. And we know how we can achieve it. We're so focused on that, that none of that matters. Like, so yeah. you know, when we have team meetings in our, in our office, you know, and our team leader will say, so-and-so sold 10 houses. So it doesn't matter to me because you know what I have promised myself, I'll sell this many homes and which makes it every month, it's going to be this many homes, and if I, it, I, it all it matters is, am I meeting my goals? Yeah. You, you win the day, you win the week. You win the week, you win the month, you win the month, you win the year.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: Did oh, you come up with that? Is that you? No, but we've, we've been trained like that. You I just, like that a lot. You look at it one day at a time. Today, what am I supposed to do? If I do like this the whole week, I've won the week. And mm-hmm. all you need to focus on is did I win the week? Don't focus on what's going on next week, because next week you'll f- focus on did I win the week next week? Because eventually it all adds up to have you won the year.
0: You got it. That's that that I I couldn't have said it better myself. It's and that, micro
1: that's focus, way. you know. Basically, it's yeah. micro is so focus uh, on the numbers on a daily basis. What's what I'm supposed to do. To meet it, the numbers. A of that to do with, I need
0: to. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with incentives. Like for me, like I, you know, I, I'm always basing myself, you know, incentivizing myself. You know, um, yeah. for me, it's it, it. It might be something that you know that I want to purchase for myself, or it might be a vacation or whatever it is. The one thing that continues that is that I invite. I've always talked about this. I invite competition. I'm very, very competitive in the industry that I'm in. Um, I hate losing. I don't like to lose. And I, I, I have a healthy, healthy relationship with losing, which means I don't like to spend a lot of time with it, but it's okay if it happens because I typically will learn a lesson from it. So my question to you is dealing with that real estate industry, you, you obviously were around in 2008. You were po- probably flying pretty high prior to 2008. You probably did not see it coming and it hits. What is your first reaction? Because there were a lot of real estate agents in in the industry that split and went somewhere else, whether it was, you know, I I, I don't even know where they went, but a lot of them split. And I know that for a fact. What was your first inkling? Was was it ever to get out of real estate or was it, you know, I want to know what you felt in that 2008 feeling.
1: So... I got, uh, I knew this was coming, 2008 was coming in 2006. That's, and I was, I was fresh agent, just a few years old in the industry. And that's when I went and invested on getting a coach. And I always liked getting the best I know at at any given point, you know. And at that time, my coach that I hired, he told me, that I'm gonna teach you how to uh, do your business by referral. Okay, word of mouth referral. And um, just recently I've started advertising and spending money on advertising, getting my face with the name out there. But up until like two years ago even, 80% of my business is word of mouth referral. Do an awesome job that they, they exp- they expect 20% from you just give them 25%. You don't have to go out go crazy. just give them a little bit extra than what they expect. That makes them remember you and just the referral business comes. He told me he told me at that time that you know whatever tasks I tell you to do diligently with in full faith, just do all that. And imagine your business is like a car, which is sitting in a garage in uh, minus five degrees temperature. What do you do? Do you open the garage and then zoom out? You don't do that. You start the car, you warm up your engine, you know? And that warming up was six months, okay? And then, but you're diligently planting seeds, okay? With people you know, people you've worked with. And I kept on doing that. And he said that the day it hits three years, which was 2008, he said, you'll never look back. And he was on the dot correct about it. 80% of my business is word of mouth referral. People just keep coming. I have, I have like a whole uh, family, like somebody, somebody's brother, somebody's uncle, somebody's nephew, like the, the whole family is buying through me. I'm their family real estate agent. You know, uh, that is the kind of referral business i built over the I'll years. I'll
0: tell you a majority of, of my business has been built the same way. Um, you know, we run digital ads, obviously it's what we do for a business um, and we run digital ads for ourselves, but, and I'm telling you, you're absolutely on the money um, I would t- say eighty to eighty-five percent is referral business. There's no question about it.
1: No questions about it. And and regardless of what kind of a market you're in, yeah, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And even with like in our business, look at the competition we're getting on a uh, on a daily basis. Being bombarded, we're fighting with Zillow. We're fighting with Redfin. You know, we agents are fighting. But keep in mind, if you have a relationship. It doesn't matter who is Zillow, who is Redfin. You have a relationship with this person. And this person, the moment they think real estate, they think Sumina Choudhury.
0: the confidence level on you is astonishing. It reminds me of myself. And it gets probably, it probably sometimes gets misconstrued as cockiness, but I believe it is just massive, massive confidence in yourself and what your capabilities are and the insecurities of others typically will take that and, and immediately go, that person's cocky. It's not cockiness, it's that there's massive experience behind what you say and what you do, and you have the experience to be able to back it up. Almost 20 years of experience in real estate, same situation over here with, with digital marketing with me, it's the same situation, so it gets mixed. But you're dropping a lot of bombs here that I think are awesome. Let's stay on 2008.
1: I want to to add something you know the way I added these referrals was also like you know once they buy a house do they need a real estate agent no but what is that one thing that kept on calling me back over and over and over again for anything they needed I told them you need a good CPA you need a good lawyer you need a good restaurant advice you need a good doctor you need A plumber, roofer, anything to do with the house, always consult with me. I have the people. And I have people calling me for anything and everything. And even with things which will be like odd things, you know, and they'll be like, I knew you would have the answer to that. You are our 1 800, Samina.
0: I love that. I get, it happens to me. It's funny. You and I are very much alike. It happens to me too. Like people will, because we have the mindset that we have, right?
1: but networking people, you know, we can. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But they ask your advice on things that have nothing to do with real estate, right? It's it, it, it's just, it's very, very funny. And it's it's interesting that you said that about the accountant and the attorney and all that stuff. I literally just had a friend who is starting a business and he, he was very nervous about go, like legitimately starting a business, right? And I said, here's the deal, don't even worry about it. Here's an accountant for you to call. Here's an attorney for you to call. And, and let's get everything in place. Here's the insurance guy for you to call. Email them all and schedule when you're comfortable to go meet with these people. His mind's at ease now, right? And, and I believe as entrepreneurs, and you're an entrepreneur, real estate agents are entrepreneurs. When you're an entrepreneur and you build businesses, especially mul- multiple businesses, we've both done that. You know for a fact, there are a lot of things that you will learn like if it is of a business and, and everything else, like there's a lot of things that people don't know. And they're gonna to come to people with 15, 20 years of experience, not, not let alone in an industry, but owning a business on how to do things. So I just, I, I think it's very interesting how you also have become this advisor. Yeah,
1: in the, and, in, and, just have the servant, and just have the servant mentality. Yeah, you know I'm saying? Just absolutely. Have the servant mentality and just um, give, give, give. Don't expect anything. But it will, it will automatically come in return. It, it, it always, and, and it's funny you bring that up. Okay. Yeah. Every,
0: every time. And I do, I, I, I try to give as much as if you go to like my, my social media pages and I've gone to yours. If you go to my social media pages, I, I, I give most advice and what to do away for free. A lot of people don't realize that. But when you go to my social media profiles, everything's there. Like I tell you exactly what you need to do. The thing is, is that most people just don't do it, right? So you're an exception to the rule, right? You, Your your coaches, the people that you work with tell you to do something and you go, yes, that makes sense. I will do that. And then you execute on what you've been taught. The problem is the lower percentages of people, the average person out there does not execute on what, they, what knowledge they've learned. So yeah. my question to you would be, what has made you what has created this mindset where you're executing on what you've been learning and the knowledge you've gained. Why don't you think other real estate agents or other business people are executing on what they're learning? Why is that happening?
1: Because they are not writing their goals. That's number one. They don't have a goal written goal. They don't know where to go. They don't have a made plan set of plan. Like, you know, uh, if I say that in the next two months I'll sell 10 houses, like backtrack from 10 houses, how many per- people do I need to meet to sell 10 houses? How many open houses do I need to do? How many um, houses do I need to show per person? You know, how many conversations do I need to have? How do I get these people? I have to um, write it down and map it out. And they don't have a mapped out plan. So they don't know where to start or where to even go. You know, It all starts with having a written goal and having a very clear perspective, a mapped out plan on what needs to happen to get to that level.
0: Why do you think they're not doing that?
1: Some are just lazy. I mean, I mean the average real estate agent is not doing that. And, and plus they don't have the discipline you know, and um, they- um, That's what
0: I was getting at.
1: Yeah, and and you know, my team leader, uh, Bob, he, he says that I don't know why Samina works. She doesn't need to. But my thing is, I the best of me comes out when I'm challenged, okay? Yeah. The best of me comes out when I'm challenged. And I, uh, and I have, I've been told by my coaches that I have the refiner mentality. And they're right in the sense that I beat myself up more than anybody beats myself up. Yep. Okay. And, and I, I like to challenge myself on a constant basis to see, okay, you did this. Now let's, let's see how you can do this. And let's see how you can do this. I, I tell myself this. Yeah. I write myself and I'm not saying that, you know, today I'll sell 50 homes and tomorrow I'll go and sell hundred. No, I'll do baby steps.
0: Sure. Well, you're realistic. You're setting realistic goals.
1: I'm like the tortoise and the hair story where it's, I'm the tortoise. I'm as long as I'm moving forward, I don't care.
0: Yeah. You're, you're a patience game player. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think it's funny too, that you stated that you, you, and I don't know if you're like this, but I'm like this. It's when my back is against the wall. That's when I operate at my best. I typically see the best of me come out when when I'm being challenged, right? It always seems to be that way. The question is, how the hell do we get ourselves to the point where we're constantly operating that way? Or is it just too emotionally exhaustive, do you think, to operate at that level of our best every single day? Is that just an unrealistic expectation?
1: You know, the thing is now I'm at a place where, like last year I sold 50 homes, okay? During the pandemic okay and this year my goal is to do 75 will i do 75 i don't know i've already done about 30 you know so um i my thing is i want to work smarter not harder and my current coach when i mean I, i i got a new coach last year
0: yeah
1: and my current coach downright asked me in december how many houses did you sell i said 50 and his his reaction was 50. You sold 50 homes. I said, yes, sir. And he's like, why are you here? I said, because I want to, I don't want to sell 50 homes. If I could, I would sell 30 homes, but I would like to make as if it was worth a hundred homes. Yeah. You know, I said, I want to get into the luxury. I want to get into a higher market. I want to push myself to become a more on the seller side listing Uh, agent because this is what the market is asking for so just to give you perspective last year i i sold 50 homes but out of that probably like about um, 18 or so were listings okay the rest were all buyers so i was tired out the whole year
0: you know it's exhausting
1: yeah so i told my uh, i told my coach that i want to do more listing than less of the buyers if i could And, you know, he broke it down for me, 48 weeks in a year, just your goal should be get one listing a week, one listing a week. Okay. Uh, You know how many listings I got so far this year? 36.
0: (laughs) My gosh, that is so funny.
1: That's, and, and the goal was to just do one listing a week. And I'm so focused on my goal. Like I have to get a listing this week, this week, this week, this week. Yeah. the moment I get it for this week, I my mode changes to, I need to get a listing before next Friday, next week, Friday, next week, Friday. Yeah. That's where my mode just shifts. Okay.
0: Are you a 24 seven person? I find myself to be that way from a customer service standpoint. Do you ever shut the phone off or do you ever shut things down or you just forget it? I'm going 24 <laughs> seven.
1: I get dead tired and I sleep. I don't even dream. (laughs) I don't know what hit me, you know, every (laughs) night. And wake up and it's a new day.
0: (laughs) That's so funny. I'm doing
1: it the exact same, I'm the same way. I'm the exact same. That's why I'm
0: I'm hitting it off with you because you're bright.
1: Yeah, and it's not like my clients are asking for it. It's just that, you know, my day actually starts the night before. Okay, the night before I go to bed, I have this list of things that I want to do every day to win the day. Okay. So my win the day, how it should look like for tomorrow. I'll plan it out tonight before I go to bed that tomorrow, these are the things I need to do. And then it will be a good productive day for me.
0: So I want to talk about conviction for a second. One of the things that Samina and I were talking about is the, the strategy behind writing things down the night before and making that part of, Uh, a list of goals that you want to accomplish, you know, the next day, if you're not focused on the next day, right. And what you want to accomplish that day, when you wake up, you're really starting from zero. You have nowhere to begin. Uh, So, so put it on paper or put it in your phone, whatever you're going to do, but make a strategy and plan of things that you want to accomplish that day. Okay. Whether it is to get to the gym or it is to talk to a specific person, make those goals happen because when you do hit those goals It's going to create this emotion where you want to do that every single
1: day. Exactly. And that 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 is the key. And you know, when you were asking me just a little while ago, that why don't other agents perform at this level? This is exactly what they're not doing. You ask them, what are you doing tomorrow? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. I can tell you exactly what I'm doing tomorrow.
0: Do you use any specific, I, I know you said writing it down, but do you use any specific software to keep yourself organized, whether it's on your phone or something like that, or are you just writing this down and carrying
1: this with you? So I have are you a, checking uh, it the list? I have a digital notebook. Okay. Okay. I can, I can write it and with the press of a button, it gets typed also. It gets into, it gets synced sure. to my laptop and everything. Um, and I, Uh, I write everything day, my my thoughts, um, like not only the operations of my business or if I just thought of I'm in the shower and I just thought of a great system to add to my business, I'll just come out and I'll just write it down. So I'm constantly writing things down to map it out because once I write it, then I can visualize it. I'm a visual person, you know?
0: With
1: with an artist background, you're a visual person. You know, you can visualize things in the future, just have to draw it out, you know, map it out. Yep. That's how I am. That's how I do my things. So I, I have to write it down and map it out. Uh, just a Crazy reason.
0: I, I pictured you running out of the shower to write something down in another room and then running back to the shower. Cause you're like, I got to finish. Yeah. <laughs> I, why. I just, that was a, it was a very odd thing to picture, but it just happened. And funny things on this podcast. So it is what it is. So yeah. what, what what advice would you give to these real estate agents that are currently in the market? Okay, look, this 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 is from a property standpoint. This is a this is kind of kind of a dream market for real estate agents, especially getting in. They're a little spoiled probably right now because real estate agents are doing very well financially, at least from what I can see, they're doing well, right? They have no excuse to not spend money. They're in re- In the reality, real estate agents are keeping our economy going right now because mm-hmm. of the money that they're making. My question to you would be these younger real estate agents that are getting in. You got in in 2000, you said, was it? Well, it was way back. 2002,
1: 2003 timeframe. Yeah,
0: and you lived through as a, as a young real estate agent, when I say young, I mean, like experience-wise you lived through the worst real estate market we've seen in, in decades and right. you came on the Side you stayed in the industry, which was one of the best things that you did because when, when it came back, you were a well-experienced real estate agent in right. worst case scenario situation. So you've seen the worst. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see another one of those situations over the next decade? I'm curious to your, because you've done such a great job of kind of estimating the market. And you said you saw this coming in 2006, you saw 2008 coming two years prior. Do you
1: see that happening again in the real estate market? Not in the next two to three years. Okay. They're saying, uh, and uh, you know, I always read up on other uh, markets uh, in the country. Um, So uh, my first coach told me something very interesting if you want to know what's coming in the near future in your market, follow the West Coast market because it starts with the West Coast, it trickles down to East Coast. From the East Coast, it goes to the Europe, Europe to Asia, okay? It trickles down, it all starts from West Coast. So what's happening in the California market right now, we're just six months later there.
0: So a lot of the inflation that you're seeing over there yeah, Six months from yeah. Now, They're
1: saying economists and like, you know, even financial advisors like Dave Ramsey, for example, the other day, right. he was talking in one of his podcasts saying that this is not a bubble. This is here to stay two to three years. And if you're planning to buy, this is the good time to buy uh, because next year the interest rates will go up and but the market will remain hot. The market will remain hot for sellers because you still have this shortage of inventory in the market uh, for the next two to three years. That's what they're saying. So if that is the case, uh, buyers who are thinking of buying next year, hoping that the market will go down, they're wrong. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's a good good point. I'd like to,
0: so you just shot called it. So what we like to do on our podcast here is like, we like to go back, right? So we we might pull this piece of content up two years later and tag some unit in it and be like, she told you and you weren't listening, but that's amazing. Cause you called the last one. I love to be able to watch this obviously stay connected and see if the shock call happened in, because if that's the case, you may have figured out a completely other business for yourself by I- diagnosing where these markets are going. Cause that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I'm listening and I just- to all the experts like Dave Ramsey or NAR, you know, um, or what the California market is telling us, you know, it's just I'm listening to the economists, thing. the top economists in the country. I'm just listening to them and um, just telling you. But yes, the interest rates are going to start going up.
0: Where do you think they'll be in two years?
1: I don't think it'll go as high as five or six. It'll still be in the threes, or maybe it'll trickle up to four. Maybe not. But, but you know, the trend has always been, but so-and-so got it 2.5% interest rate and I'm at three and a half. Oh my God. It's the end of the world. Kind of. (laughs) That's what the people. I
0: mean, that's the one thing that I've never, it's very interesting to me and people don't realize this when it comes to interest rates, right? One point is not as devastating as you think it is. Um, Whether it's buying a car or buying a house at the end of the day, if you're paying, and this is just my opinion, and I'm curious to what advice you give to people, especially being that you're an investor. Mm-hmm. If I were to go buy a house today and I can afford a 15-year mortgage,
1: mm-hmm. should I do it? Yes. Why? Um, because, first of all, because you can afford to and pay it off quickly, you know, um, that's one less thing. Um, And, you know, if you follow Dave Ramsey's financial systems, like I'm one of his premier agents in the, uh, in the state. Okay. I I have read his systems. I follow his system. When he refers a client to Maryland, I'm one of the premier agents that's referred. And I talk to them um, based on the, the rules that he has taught. I talk to them in that context, you know, and most of my clients, believe it or not, and these are first-time home buyers that are coming in following Dave Ramsey's systems, and they have 15 to 20% money down already mm-hmm. saved and student loan, student debt paid off. Yep. And when these sellers come, they don't have a mortgage. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I, I, I once remember telling And, you know, Brian Buffini telling us, and this was during the uh, 2007-2008 market, he was saying that, uh, you know, people have to really read what the market is telling them rather than hearing what the media is telling them. You know, in the news, they were saying, oh, uh, foreclosure rates doubled. Yeah, it went from 1% to 2%. Yep, it doubled. But it went from 1% to 2%. Right. It was not crazy. And did they know that 95% of the foreclosure market at that time were second homes? Nobody said that.
0: Yeah. You're they right.
1: Were second homes. And they didn't I, say that.
0: It's 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 the message that they were conveying.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, almost 40% of the houses in USA don't have a mortgage.
0: What I find interesting is that you you you're you're a advocate of the 15 year mortgage, which so am I. I'm a huge advocate of the 15 year mortgage because if you can if you one can get the mortgage off of your debt, now you've got a huge piece because of equity. You'll be,
1: you'll be saving so much money in interest rate in pay, pay, pay so interest. So paying so much money. money, so much interest. I I even, when I'm selling houses to these buyers, I tell them that, you know, think about it this way. There is what you can afford, but you're what comfortable with, you know? There are two two thresholds. Are you comfortable with this payment or you want to push yourself to the max, you know? And uh, I said that the lenders that I work with, they'll give you both. And if you can be in the comfort zone, that's great. You know why? Because they're 12 months in a year. But if you make 13 payments, you just reduced your interest rate by seven years.
0: 100%. Why would you not do? There's people out there that do not do that, by the way. And that's crazy. I always pay more towards my mortgage payment anyway, and we always make an extra payment. Always.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So because you don't want to pay the banks that extra interest money.
0: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And you give this advice to all, every one of your buyers, I'm assuming, right?
1: Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, I I have believed in that, you know, I fear God he's watching. I want to rest my head at night on my pillow thinking I have um, given advice to everybody in good uh, intention and not cheated anybody. And that is what uh, is most important for me. That leads me to the discussion of reputation,
0: right? Because reputation is the industry that I I come from, and it it's you know when we talk about twenty years ago and starting businesses, that that's you know that's the business I came from. Not only from handling celebrities and athletes' personal reputations uh, online because there was nobody really around to do that, but now handling a majority of of businesses um, and being a you know, people say I'm an expert in the field. I, I I don't think you should ever call yourself an expert. I think you should always let other people deem that based upon how long you've been operating an industry and the, and the knowledge that you can pass on to give that experience to others. But speaking of reputation, 80% or more of your business is referral. You're messing around with the digital ads. You're getting leads, obviously. I mean, yeah. there's no question about it based on everything else. As far as your reputation goes online,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: how do you handle those things? Because that the the when I talk about real estate, I'm talking about digital real estate. When someone goes to look at you on Google My Business or Facebook or any of these other places, they're going to want to look at you and be like, what are other people's experiences? I don't know, Samina, so I need to go by the, the values of what other people are saying about her, yeah. not refer- I'm,
1: I'm constantly collecting testimonials for my clients. I'm con- constantly collecting those and I'm putting it out there. Yeah. And- You know, I tell them uh, on my first buyer consultation or listing consultation with them that, hey, I'm going to work hard and put my time, invest my time in finding you the next home or selling your home. Uh, Can you do me a favor? Yeah. Tell me what you expect from me and I will make sure that happens. And the second thing is buyers know more buyers and sellers know more sellers. Can you do me a favor and fi- help me find my next buyer or seller for me so that I don't waste time on finding them. Rather, I put that time, invest that time in finding you your next home and doing a darn good job about it.
0: See, I almost got you to cuss there. Now, I wanna talk about that for a second from the reputation side. What Samina said is I, I, I want you to remember um, she didn't say that she asked for reviews. Okay. When she has a good experience or whatever an experience is with a client, she doesn't say, can you leave me a review? She's really asking the same thing that I tell all of you to ask. How did I do? How did we do? And when that happens, the next question is, would you refer me to someone else? That's how you build a referral, a pipeline is by asking how you did. I got the review. Now I'm building social proof online. And then the next follow-up is, would you refer me to someone else? That's how you build social proof. That's how you get more business. That's why you don't have to spend all that money on the digital ads. Does it help? Yes. But can the reviews and the testimonials do the business for you? Absolutely. 100%. I agree wholeheartedly. And the, 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 um, design of what you're doing because it's exactly what I do. And I always tell, like, this goes kind of on the other side of like restaurant clients, but I always tell my restaurant clients, I'm like, stop asking people to leave you a review. Ask them how you did after the experience. If it was good, great. If it was bad, let's set up a strategy and a plan to be able to get that, get a second chance at these people. There's so many people when they get a negative review nowadays that are immediately like, well, I didn't want them anyway. Instead of saying, I could probably learn from this. Let me investigate and talk to this person and find out what I can do better next time. What ends up happening is if you take it a step further, especially when it comes to reviews, if you take it a step further and put energy into that conversation, the odds are that person will become the biggest fan on the planet of you and will refer you to more people than the person who left you the five-star review. Guaranteed. And I know for 20 years of experience, I know you've dealt with, a one percenter, which is what I like to call them or a 10 percenter, whatever you want to say, but you've probably dealt with that, am I right?
1: Yes, yes. And you know, there are people that no matter how much hard you try, you can never please them. Yeah. Are there people like that? Absolutely there are. But you know, again, it comes to about your intentions. You know, did I do it wholeheartedly? Did I, was my intention good to help them? Absolutely let me ask you, you, you and the goal is to and the goal is to make sure that i get a referral before i close that file every file i close i get a referral
0: you're an animal i mean it's obvious you're you're hunting you're already like before i even close this thing i'm getting a referral out of it i love it i mean that is the that is the attitude of someone that is guaranteed to be on top there's no question about it that's why i want to ask you you know there's a lot of things going around nowadays. There's like there's exp. There's this that and everything else. There seems to be all these different things that are like they seem like dream jobs to me. I I don't know or things that look easy. You've been with you've been with Bob LoCita for how long?
1: Almost ten years.
0: Okay, so you've been with him for for fifty percent of your career, mm-hmm. a little over fifty percent of your career. What, what's the what, what is the what is the experience like with Bob? And are you feeling like man, this is a guy that. know i feel like representing you know what is it about him that that keeps you kind of like keeps you there because you're you've got a power power and leverage here right i mean what keeps you there
1: integrity number one okay and um number two he's relentless and if you uh you know one of my coaches i'll tell you uh his name is ryan sirhand i don't know if you want of course course i listing New York. He's my coach. Okay. Okay. And I was with Ryan last month in a conference room. I was talking to him and I asked him, what is that one thing you, you sell houses to millionaires, billionaires, you know, and what is that one trait you see that is a common factor in all of them. And his one word was they're relentless.
0: So there it is right there for you. Bob Lacido. The one major thing that Samina takes away from him is he is relentless. When you say relentless, is it something that where, you know, and this is what we typically do when we're, when we're looking at leaders and things of that nature, you know, and I consider you to be a leader. I'm sure he looks at you as a leader. Um, that relentless, relentlessness, does it mm-hmm. speak to you because you're like that as well?
1: Um. It basically, you know, I'm I I can appreciate the relentless part because when I take on a project, uh, I I am a finisher by yeah. trade, you know. I want to get to the finish line, and I'm gonna work at it till the point I know that okay, let's forget it because it's dead. You know, I, I yeah. want to finish it, and and like you know, and coming from the. Uh, design field standpoint i have the creative um mentality yeah you know yeah so i um for example i'll give you an example i had a client her um her budget was 1.6 million okay and she wanted she wanted a house uh, that within minutes she could get on the highway okay because she's a doctor and um Every house that was I was showing her by the time she got into the highway, 15 minutes gone, 10 minutes gone, because that in that location, that's where all the houses were. And then um again, my creative mentality, I said, okay, let's get back to the drawing board, let's wipe out what we were doing. Obviously, this is not working. So, what did we do? What is the first thing, which is most important? Location, 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 right? Yep. In this case. So we said, okay, we will not compromise on the location, but we'll compromise on the house. You know why? Because the house can be fixed and the house can be built. And so we we chose the location. We found a house, which was 900,000. It was a 1972 built house. And I said that, you know what? Now we'll strategize. We're gonna, instead of you getting a regular loan to buy a $1.6 million house, you will get a renovation loan. And we're gonna fix this house because there is potential, you have the location and if you get the house you want in this location, you get your house, you get your location and you, uh, you, know, you get the pri- at that price point, you know? So that's where my partner who's the architect and the builder came into the picture. So basically we, we looked at the house, we, we could double the house in the back, raise the house up and everything. So basically it it would have costed them 450,000. So uh, in a renovation loan, for example, you do two appraisals. One appraisal had to be that what they bought it for was 900,000. Did it appraise for 900? Yes. And then looking at my partner's drawings, would it appraise for 1,350? Well, guess what? It it appraised for 1,650. They got a house which they wanted at the location they wanted and got 300,000 equity.
0: So you 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 bob and weave and you created a path when realistically there was, there, it, the average real estate agent would have said, there's no path here. This is a 10% customer, I'm getting rid of them. You strategized, you thought outside of the box and you- or- would have tried to
1: convince them to buy 15 minutes
0: inside. But did you really convince them? Because the question really comes down to is if you sat down with them and you said exactly what you just said to me, I don't think I need to be convinced. I think you really were just like, you know what? This is just more realistic and it makes more sense. And it's more beneficial for you to make this decision. And and, and that right there bar none is what I believe is missing, Right from the average real estate agent to the above average real estate agent. The question is, Can if you can't find it, can you create it? And if you can create it, then you're putting your buyer in a very good situation. Now, I would imagine that this doctor who you found a property for, found a house for, created this house for, she goes into it with $300,000 of equity. She's probably a big fan of yours, yes. I would imagine absolutely that makes you 300 absolutely grand
1: and has sent me multiple
0: referrals. I can't imagine her not doing that. If you make someone over a quarter of a million dollars with one transaction, they're pretty much going to be one of your best friends and biggest advocates for the rest of your life. No questions asked. Yeah. I, it's amazing. And it's exact that, that same formula can be used in any industry, not just real estate, but that is great evidence and great proof of, of, of how to properly take care of a client or a customer, no question about it. Did you learn some of these things from the Lucido group as you were going through those stages, or was this something that you were just like that's that creative mind <laughs> of
1: yours? It just came up in my mind.
0: Have you have you ever thought about passing a lot of the knowledge that, because you are extremely knowledgeable, not only about business, but about creating wealth through real estate? Have you ever thought about you're shaking your head? Yeah, you can't see that on the podcast, but She's shaking her head, yeah. I was gonna say, have you ever thought about sharing that knowledge more expansively to a lot of these real estate agents out there or just people that are trying to get into the market?
1: Within the team I have. And in fact, uh, I teach a class within the team. It's called the peak producers class. It's a 16 week course that I teach. My first coach, the program that he taught me, I am now one of the ambassadors for that program. And I teach that course to my team and um, Bob can vouch for it. Every agent that took that course and implemented whatever I have taught them, they're in the top 5% in production today in the team.
0: So if you're on the Lucido group team, you, number one, if you're not, if you have not taken that course, you're only hurting yourself. Okay, what, and the name of the course is what again? Peak Producers. Do you run these courses every month or is this?
1: I, I try to do it at once every year, at least once, because it's a 16 week. Course. 16 weeks, right. Of yeah, course. It's expensive. It's it's four months.
0: Sure. Do do can people that aren't in the real estate industry can they do that or do they have to be part of the Lucido group team to be able to, to they know? can
1: do that. They huh? can they can do that. Anyone can. Anyone can and and you know, I believe I have so much respect for my profession. I will never badmouth another agent. Because I have so much respect for my profession, absolutely. and I think that this this um, industry can use some very good agents still. And if somebody is hungry and wants to, you know, dream and dream big and get up there, absolutely, they should uh, reach out to me, and I would love to help anybody.
0: I I, I think I think that alone, um, in my opinion for the time that we spent together speaks.
1: abundant mentality.
0: It is, it, it absolutely is. And and that goes back to what you were saying before about your, your the, the giving mentality as well, where you're giving and sharing all this knowledge. There's gonna there's going be, you know, these kids that are gonna look back and they're gonna be like, and I know that I do that with a lot of the mentors that I have, and that's really what you've become at this point, not only a real estate agent, but now you've become a mentor who is is helping a lot of these other real estate agents do it. Um, my question to you is the percentage of the amount of real estate agents there. There's a lot of real estate agents out there that are getting into the business. I've seen a lot of them burn out really, really fast. What, what is one of the uh, uh, I, I, I guess a little piece of advice you would give them on not burning
1: out? Um, have a plan, have a system and a plan in place and make sure you go into a team that has good systems in place and has good, good mentors who can teach you. And also I see a lot of real estate agents that come in as part-timers in this business. If you're not full in, you're not in, you know, and, uh, every time they tell me, Oh, I'm going to start it part-time. No, you gotta be full in.
0: If you're going to do it, you got to do it full-time. The, you in, do it. Unless you're just getting into it in a situation, like you said before, where you've built this other business, of investing in properties and you have a partner who can go in kids you know i'm sure i'm sure that your partner at this point has, has come to the point where they, he can look at a property and be like this is what it's going to cost and i can either yeah. stay under or write that right? right do you ever go over budget on a on a on let's say a fixer upper or a flip or whatever you want to call it or an investment property
1: um didn't really have to so far like a nightmare story no not really no nightmares um, didn't really, I mean, I've seen nightmares with people's houses. <laughs> I have seen it.
0: Well, I know you don't.
1: But, dream uh, you. I haven't experienced it. <laughs> Luckily I haven't. That's that,
0: that, that's amazing. I know that, you know, early in my career, I invested in, in some, in a couple of uh, beach properties, because I thought I was thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, if I'm going to buy a rental property and try to hold onto this property. The best place for me to probably buy is in a resort area. I was, that's what I was thinking to myself, right? Guaranteed, I'm going to be able to rent it out, this and everything else. And it was okay. I mean, we made money. It was enough to pay the mortgage. It was enough to do all these things. But one thing I didn't take into consideration, like you said, was what if something goes wrong? Yeah. You know, what, and people don't think about these things when they make these gigantic purchases. I was very young when I purchased that, that uh, second property, right? It was a, it was an investment rental property. Yeah. But I didn't have
1: anything (laughs) in place like that. Yeah, but luckily see my partner is a builder. And he yeah. knows where he can get the resources are like, you know, I can get this cheaper here. I can get that, you know, and he's got his team. Right. And sometimes his team will just do the work for him. Like, you know, at cost, you know, <laughs> um, you, the houses that you sell now are,
0: and we talked about it a little bit before, but these houses that you're selling, these are, these are not normal houses. These are, you know, million, 2 million. Like these are, these are big timer. I have
1: some, like I do the 400, like
0: they're like little townhouses. Like what is the It's like all over the place, but the big ones, like there's real estate agents, they don't get their hands on these types of properties. How did, how does that happen? Is that just based on
1: experience? Uh, experience word of mouth, you know, it's, you know, it's the network. It's who, you know, and, um, who you have served, like, like I always say that, you know, it's who you ask a referral from, okay? If, a, if you ask a referral from an 800,000 buyer, will he give you a 300,000 buyer? That's not his friend circle. His friend yeah. circle is 650 to 1 million. That's his friend circle, okay? Yeah. But if you ask a referral from a 300,000 buyer, he'll give you 150 to 400,000. That's his threshold, you know? He's not mixing with a millionaire.
0: No. Now, And you're absolutely right about that. It, it, it tends to happen that way. You're absolutely yeah. right. And that goes back to that old adage of you, you are who you hang around. Right?
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, if you're going to ask, like, I have a buyer who, uh, is a $2 million buyer. Okay. And I asked him for a referral. He gave me a $4 million buyer. You know, is the $4 million
0: is that, is that, ha- have you found the house yet for the $4 million buyer?
1: Uh, I'm this close to uh, trying to get him a land to build.
0: Because I feel like you kind of have to, right? There's not a lot of $4 million. I don't know. Maybe there is. But the and, inventory and you know, I
1: haven't even sold him a house. And he gave me two referrals. One is a 2.5 and one is a
0: 1.8. He just likes you.
1: He said that, you know, I know you'll, you'll do a good job. Because he knows I'm constantly like pushing, pushing. He's a busy man. But yeah. He has given me what he needs and he knows in blind faith that I'm working on it. You know why? Because I'm giving him an update every two days. Even if I don't have an update, I text him, I didn't get this, but I'm on it. I didn't get this, but I'm on it because I'm constantly updating him.
0: And that goes back to you making your checklist of things to do that makes, that goes back to preparing for the day, right? Right. And that goes back and, and at that point, the communication lines are consistently open with the people that you're working with which yeah. will and, and them, you know, my day
1: me. goes by yeah my day goes by the morning I follow up afternoon I follow through evenings I follow back say follow that
0: up. one more time because I want to
1: follow up follow through follow back
0: all right I want to I want to point this out real quick because this is a great piece of advice it's follow up Follow through, follow through, and, and follow, follow back. You're following up in the beginning, okay. That's your that's your morning. Your afternoon is the follow back, okay. So you're follow
1: following through. Back follow
0: through. Follow through. I'm sorry. Follow through. You're yeah. following through, and then you're following back towards the end of the evening, and then you're moving back into the next day. Your preparation for the next day. Great piece of advice. I think that's amazing.
1: Um, and that is
0: that I would is like to. Me-
1: That is the key factor to retain buyers and sellers in this market. There is no way they'll go to any other place.
0: You're keeping them in the web. Yeah. You're keeping them in your web, and they're not going to leave that web.
1: Follow up, follow up, follow up. People in this business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They st- they don't follow up at all, and that's how they lose clients. I'm gonna use that as the first piece of advice as we as we come down towards the end of the episode because this episode we I might actually have to have you back for a second episode because there's so much more that I want to get out of you. Um, you know, some, sometimes you 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 just hit it off with people and they really get you thinking and their mentality of success. You got to pull as much out of them as you can for their followers. So that, that, that little piece of advice that you just dropped to be quite honest with you is, is gold. And I hope you guys listen towards the end of this podcast. Um, Give me two, give me two pieces of advice you would give quick pieces of, of advice that you would give to a, a young real estate agent, just getting into the industry and a seasoned real estate agent who is feeling like they're stuck. Uh, and they can't go to the next level as a real estate agent?
1: Young real estate agent is, again, pick a team. This next decade, they're saying 40% of all agents in, in the next decade will be joining teams. So this next decade, you'll see more and more teams evolve. And if you're joining a team, make sure that the team you pick has good operations and systems in place and good coaching and training systems in place, so that when you get in, you you are guided well. Most real estate agents they get into a brokerage and they they don't have the proper guidance, and they just lose it right there. And they think, oh, this is not good, and then they start hopping from brokerage to brokerage to brokerage, right. trying to find that one piece that they have. They don't get which is proper guidance. know for a new real estate agent that would be my advice for somebody who's seasoned um you will hit several uh plateaus in your um lifetime you will sit you'll hit and i did so as well and that's when you look at your business and you see what you can do to take it to the next level what you can do different and you write your goals accordingly like Last year, I did hit a plateau. And for me, the best example was that I hit a plateau and I wanted to, I was at a place where I sold 50 houses and I was burnt out, okay? And now I want to sell 50 houses. I can still do 50 houses, but provided the average price range is higher so that I can make more, you know? So there's only so much you can do. So how do you get to that? So I got a new coach who could get me into luxury with a higher price range. So I could raise my uh, average sales price. And it's what I just told you, my average sales price. Now I'll start asking for referrals from million dollar buyers rather than you know, 300, 400,000 buyers because that's what they'll give me. And I'm, I'm gonna to try to do such a good job that they'll be super impressed and they will remember that this is the level of service she offers. And this is what she'll offer to my friends and families too. Yeah,
0: and I think I think, those
1: you, will come.
0: I think you hit the nail on the head. And at the end of the day, uh, I think for that seasoned real estate agent, it really comes down to what you just said before, which is to work smarter, not harder. That's the, as you get further in to the industry, you, you, you've got to stop yourself from burning out and really start working a little bit smarter and not as hard. Um, and you can actually end up creating more wealth for yourself um, with less output um, if you're doing it the right way and you have that strategy in place. So absolutely great advice. And I think everybody will get value out of that. Um, these are questions that don't even matter, right? So if you had to, if you had to choose, uh, we're, we're going to talk about food real quick. Tacos or pizza? Which one? Uh, pizza. Okay. Ice cream or um, yogurt? Ice cream. Cake or pie? Cake. Love it. All right. Those are important things to know about people because if people say, and I've always noticed this, if people say yogurt instead of ice cream, you need to watch out for that person because there's something wrong with them. That <laughs> that specific question is meant to throw people off. Samina, thank you for coming on the podcast. I, I, I cannot tell you how much value I don't, I don't think people realize because we're going to, to, I'm going to come up with a different title for this podcast episode, because I think a lot of people were expecting real estate stuff when in the reality, there was a lot of real estate talk, but there was a lot of mental, there was a lent, a a lot of mental, um, uh, capabilities and a lot of creativeness that were discussed that I think are people that even aren't in the real estate industry are going to get a lot of value out of it. And to me, that is just so important. The mindset side of things, um, it just shows why you're a winner. It shows why you've gotten to the places that you've gotten to. And it's very impressive. And I, you know, like I said, I think we're going to have you back for a second this episode because I really want to dive deep into that mentality and really figure out kind of what is making you tick 20 years later in the same industry. And you're still going up. That doesn't happen. Like you said, you hit a plateau, but most people don't continue to go up and you're still going. And the question is, where is the end? Is there an end? Um, and I think the end is eventually for you, at least from what I can think about is you passing, you obviously being compensated for it, but you passing that knowledge onto people that you see that same mentality in. And I think that's, I think that's pretty amazing. So, um, I want to thank you for coming on the episode. It means the world to me and, uh, we're going to have you back. There's no question about it.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure.
0: All right. Thank you for listening to the Bad Reputation Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and share what you may have learned with someone else today. Remember, your reputation is everything.